The Baylor Bears are in first place in the Big 12. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked On Baylor, brought to you by FanDuel. I'm your host, Cam Stewart, the Baylor Bears have won three in a row and now are tied atop the Big 12 standings in the loss column with Houston. Houston 7-3, and three, Baylor now 6-3. and three. And, I mean, just stop to think about that for a second before we go into last night's 79-73 win over Texas Tech. When we were here talking a week ago, it was about losing three in a row. I even brought up the uncomfortable topic of like, hey, there's no signature wins yet, really? Like, we got to get some of those before the tournament. Well, bang, a week later, you beat a pretty tough UCF team and then back-to-back ranked opponents at home. I I saw that schedule with, I think, four out of five being at home or four out of six, something like that. Four out of five after UCF. I, I'm, I might be wrong in that. But uh, all these home games <laughs> lined up and thinking, well, you know, it should play into Baylor's favor, but you just don't know in this league. But what Baylor has now, which they haven't had in years past, is an elite home atmosphere. And you saw that once again in the game last night. So it it shows you a couple of things, that Baylor is a very talented team still, and you really, I know it's cliche, but you just cannot get too high or too low in this conference. Like a week ago, we were talking about, uh, I don't know if this is a title-challenging team in the Big 12, that they could be a middle-of-the-pack kind of team and still be and still be good and still be a tournament team. But a week later, they've won three in a row. They're now tied for first place in the Big 12 and a big, big, big game on Saturday. College game day will be there in Lawrence as Baylor goes to the fog and takes on the Kansas Jayhawks. and. Starting next season, Baylor will have a little piece of Kansas Jayhawk history in the Foster Pavilion forever. If you didn't, I don't know if they talked about this on the broadcast, but they announced it at the game. James Naismith's, uh, I know this is way off before we get into the tech game. James Naismith's grandchildren, who are elderly themselves, uh, were at the game and were honored during like the first media timeout because they donated Dr. Naismith's Bible to. Baylor and it's going to be at the Foster Pavilion. If you're a nerd like me, that is like really, really cool. This guy invented basketball and actually has, I think the, uh, the worst winning percentage of any Kansas basketball coach ever, which is funny. The guy who invented the game anyway, so that'll be cool, but that's that game Saturday. We're going to talk more about that later in the week. I thought a nice, nice win for Baylor last night. And seeing some of the comments in in the live uh, post game, it, w- it wasn't that way for everybody. But I I thought this was you know maybe not as good as it gets in the Big Twelve, but a pretty solid win. You, you, a team that's reeling, sure, but still a top twenty five team. Um, and they were shorthanded. They had two of their starters out, including their seven footer in the middle. And on the flip side of that, I thought they were really took advantage of those guys not being there and 
Tech's lack of depth in this game, which is just not something that they've done all year. It, it's not something that is just counted on every game that, oh, just because you know player X or player Y is out, Baylor's going to do X, Y, and Z, and, and they're going to beat them. Um, that hasn't always been the case, and they they did that uh, last night. They they really they own the paint. Um, they were plus sixteen in the paint, and part of that is not having Warren Washington, the seven footer for Tech, and Eve Misi having a nice game. But a lot of it was guards getting to the rim, and I think they they wore out Tech a little bit in that. But that's that's I'm going to talk about that in the second segment and how valuable those guards have been. Uh, but yes, Eve Misi took advantage big time. And once again, I had to say out loud to nobody in particular because I was stag at the basketball game. My, my girlfriend wasn't feeling well, so feeling good. So I went to the game by myself. Harrowing experience, let me tell you. And I said to no one in particular, man, Eve Misi is incredible. Incredible, man. Uh, he, he obviously does well on the stat sheet, Uh especially tonight, 17 points on five of seven shooting, seven rebounds to go with it, and seven of eight from the free throw line. I think they talked about that in the postgame presser. He worked so hard at that. And in fact, I saw it must have been the TCU game. Um, he came out like before halftime ended. You know, they kind of shoot around a little bit. And he just nothing but free throws, nothing but free throws. And you can tell he's really committed to that. And it showed last night. And so you see a, a big statistical night from him, but if you're at the game or just watching the game, you can understand that Eve Misi is so much better than the stats will show. So much better and getting better by the week, by the way. But there was a, a sequence where I believe it was, this was all in about 15 seconds or 20 seconds. He has a, a block shot. Tech gets the ball back but then he alters another shot in the paint and they get the rebound. I don't know if he gets the rebound, but Baylor gets the rebound and then he gets a dunk on the other end. Like whenever you need him, he is there and he attracts so much attention at both ends of the court that it just really makes Baylor a better team, infinitely makes them a better team when he is on the court versus when he is not. Um, just fantastic to watch. Uh, it's it's a tough race in terms of All-American, but I think he's playing All-American basketball, and I think he is one of the top three or four basketball players in the Big 12. I really do. You know, Hunter Dickinson, yep, still a fantastic player. Um, uh, Shed from from Houston's a heck of a player, and and there's a, there's a couple more I can name in there. But Eve Misi deserves to be right at the top of that list. He's been fantastic, and he's a freshman, and he's not even supposed to be a freshman. He's supposed to be a senior in high school, and he's just a sponge, man. He is just absorbing stuff every week, and every game we we see him getting better. It's, it's fantastic, and they've really gone to him in terms of I thought what was a big issue uh, just a week ago even, which is those plays at the end of the half. Um, they're starting to go to him. They're drawing up plays for him, and he's getting layups. This team is getting better because of, and in addition to, Eve Misi getting better. He's not the only one that's growing, but he is so vital to this team's cause. And I thought Baylor closed the game out pretty well from like the six-minute mark to the two-minute mark. 
They didn't play all that well in the final two minutes, uh, but weird, weird stat. They actually did hit seven of their last nine field goals, but had no field goals in the last 340 of the game. Think about that. Um, they got fouled a lot. They hit their free throws. Tech hit some somewhat garbage time threes uh, to make it look closer. Six was more like 10. Um, and that is a convincing win uh, in the Big 12 against a ranked team. So yeah, Tech was shorthanded, but Baylor played to their vulnerabilities, Tech's vulnerabilities, really, really well in this game. And that is a positive step forward because those championship-level teams, they it might not always look impressive at the end of the day. Like statistically, they're pretty close to a lot of things, um, but they they just go at your wound and rub salt in it all night. And that's what I think Baylor did in this game to get the six-point win over Tech. And today's episode are brought to you is brought to you by my friends over at FanDuel. Look, y'all, we are so into it. We're so close to the biggest sports night of the year. Of course, that being Super Bowl Sunday. And it is the best day to head over to the sports book. And FanDuel has got you covered. If you're like me, that's really what you care about. Your team's not in it. I do have to talk about it on the radio the next day. But really what I'm worried about is the prop bets. You know, finding a good seat, getting a good snack too, but finding the best prop bets on FanDuel. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end this season with a W, even when your team isn't. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, of course you can do that, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and more prop bets than you can ever imagine on Super Bowl Sunday. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Okay, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So what I think Baylor has really turned the corner with in this winning streak, which is now up to three in a row, um, and even towards the tail end of that losing streak, I thought they got a lot better at this. And what will be so beneficial for them going forward in the Big 12 and in the NCAA tournament is their guard play. I think I speak for a lot of us when saying we saw tons of flashes of, of what this backcourt can be. And it just never, it just, it just hadn't gelled together yet. And the two, and I'll mention three guys that are your prototypical guards weren't always like they weren't putting it together on the same nights or one guy would have a good half here and then have a bad half. And you know, the other guy next to him would have a terrible night and it just wasn't gelling. It is starting to gel. Ray J Dennis, Jaden Nunn and Langston love. Um, are going to play such crucial roles for this team going forward, and they are starting to cook. And I'm hoping that they're just getting started. But those three guys can get to the rim whenever they want. And that is that is a scary good proposition for this team offensively going forward. We might start to see or, or continue to see those overall offensive numbers stay where they are which is impressive considering the defenses they're going up against now. 
But those three guys offensively give you so much versatility. And Ray J is shooting the ball better. He is playing decent defense. Langston Love plays good defense. Jaden Nunn plays very good defense. At times, great defense. And last night against Tech, he was on one on the defensive end, man. He was fantastic. Um, he he went on to basically whatever guard they needed him to. He did a lot of switching, obviously, as he does every night. Uh, defended against Pop Isaacs really well. Um, guarded against Toussaint when Toussaint wasn't scoring. Toussaint had a nice night. The West Virginia transfer uh, hit some good shots and had 18, which I think was the high for Tech. But he, he was all over the place in a good way defensively. And that man, Jaden Nunn, he does not lack any confidence offensively anymore. He doesn't. And in the first half, I was saying that kind of jokingly, like, oh boy, maybe he needs to lose some confidence a little bit because he's missing some shots. In the second half, he didn't miss many shots. And even when he was missing shots, the decision-making is still good. I mean, the early part of the conference schedule he was just kind of all over the place. He's just kind of throwing shots up there. He's throwing the ball around. Not the case uh, uh, last night and had two assists, which he's not the primary ball handle or anything, and only had two turnovers, which for a guy who's playing at the speed that he plays with, that's that's a that's a good that's a good night at the office for him. He also goes for 14 points on five of ten shooting um and five rebounds. So He's he's getting in those greasy, grimy areas. He has the confidence, and he is starting to to finish those plays. And Ray J. Dennis, man, I, I I've said it time and again. He's got a, he's got a little bit of that Kyrie Irving in him, and he showed me that a couple more times last night. There was at least once, and I think twice, where he's almost posting guys up, you know, and. and and it's obviously a lot of guards covering him, but he's down low, whether he's on the on the wing or even down the low post or the middle post is what I like to call that too, is he's like backing guys down and you know, like this ball isn't going anywhere else, even though he's the point guard. And he's just looking for the move that's going to work, how he's going to wriggle past you, and he's going to score. <laughs> he's going to get a layup. And he's got these guys on puppet strings, man. Um, when, when you isolate on him, you're you're asking for it. He will get in his bag and he's going to score. And I talked about in the first segment attacking the other team's vulnerabilities. The guards did that big time last night in terms of, of getting to the basket. Like they knew that there, there wasn't the normal defensive anchor in the middle. And they knew that those guards were going to have to play uh, big minutes because of how thin tech was in this game. And that's why in the second half, you saw them getting to the basket even more. I mean, at times it was child's play and that's what built the lead to 15 points um, and eventually becomes a nine point victory. And I talked about the weird stat where they hit seven of their last nine field goals, but don't have a single field goal in the final three forty of the game. I thought, and it almost went perfectly, um, barring a couple of mistakes in the last two minutes. I thought they closed the game out really well in that final eight minutes. So really like the eight to two is what I'll is what I'll call it instead of the six to two um minute mark. And it was getting to the free throw line a lot, but also 
staying aggressive, staying in your offense, and therefore hitting some shots and getting some layups. Because there was a <clears throat> a quote from Scott Drew after the Texas game where they only hit one field goal in the final eight minutes where he kind of downplayed it a little bit where he had said, you know, uh, we got to the free throw line and, and that's what you do in this league. And there obviously is some truth to that. But what I thought was the problem with Baylor is they were getting out of their offense. They were not getting good looks. And in the last two games, but specifically this one against Tech where they really padded a lead in the second half, I thought they got good looks. They stayed in their offense. They got aggressive. And then they got to the free throw line. You know, if you're playing aggressive and your guards can finish the way Baylor's guards can finish now, uh, there's no excuse for you not to extend leads because you're either getting the layups or you're getting to the free throw line. And that and that's what happened last night. Um, so those guards were terrific. I mean, not a not a big night from Likes and Love because you didn't need a big night from Likes and Love. Uh, he only had six points. He hobbles off at the end of the game. Now I did listen on the way home to uh, the ESPN 1660 post game and uh, Scott Drew told John Morris that he's not worried about him because uh, Langston's a tough kid. So I don't know, probably an easy way to deflect because he hadn't heard any update yet. This was right after the game, uh, but something to keep an eye on. That's not a player you can, you, you want to lose at any point in the season, but especially uh, coming up against Kansas on the road. Um, so hopefully that's, that's just more of a stinger and, He's going to be able to go on Saturday and going forward. Another guard forward um, that I want to talk about is Jacoby Walter real quick. Um, I, I talked about him a little bit more in the post game, but another tough night for Jacoby Walter. Eight points on two of nine shooting um, with only, only two rebounds and two assists. Um, so still getting involved in the action, but it's another game where he's just really struggling from the floor. Uh, the three balls not going in. Um, I He doesn't take bad shots. I thought he took one with like a minute, a little over a minute left. That wasn't a good shot. He had a, he had a three and missed it. Um, but overall, he's doing things right. He's just, he's not hitting a lot of shots. And I, I just wonder how this plays on the confidence of a, a young kid who knows he is a good shooter, who had a lot of, draft hype of course going into the season some people talking about him being a top five pick going into the season we're starting to see that number go down because of these shooting performances and it's one of those where I feel for him because again I, I I don't think he's doing things wrong um but I think there's a bit of a confidence issue right there or there right now and the play that stuck out to me was in the first half he he drove to the basket he was one-on-one -on -one with the defender and he, tr he drew contact. He was trying to draw a foul. Uh, so he kind of threw the ball up at the basket, didn't get the call. It hit like behind the backboard. It was kind of embarrassing. And after that, he didn't he didn't really have a nose for the rim. He, he wasn't driving the ball after that, which I talk about how great Ray J. Dennis and Langston Love and Jay Nunn are at that. That should be Jacoby's wheelhouse too, because he's he's bigger than those guys. He's he's got a good frame for a freshman. He should be finishing those, and obviously getting to the free throw line has to help shooters all the way. I, I would think so. It, it, it has been though. It's been a tough stretch for him. Um, I'm going to be talking more about him and Eve Misi as kind of a mid conference season report card on the freshman um, later on this week, but. 
hoping that he gets the confidence back and starts to see the ball go in a, a, a few more times. He did have a good game against UT, which was, what, four games ago? Um, so it's not like this is a whole season thing. I thought he was he had a real good game in that game, actually. Um, so hopefully that turns around. What a nice time to do it, Jacoby, against Kansas on Saturday. That would be really cool. But it's a Texas Tech guard that I want to talk about uh, through the lens of Baylor, of course, uh, after this. Because first, I need to talk to you about Jace Medical. Look, there, we talk about sports a lot, but there's some more important things out there, which I want to talk about both in this ad read and in the next segment. So according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin just right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Go ask Tech. They've got it going through the locker room right now. They could use something like the Jace case. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my loved ones or if I'm a coach, one of my players gets sick while a supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, you'll be okay if you have the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics from Jace Medical to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and many, many others. Visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It's going to be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and those medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and use the offer code locked on to get $20 off that first order. So talking about the crowd um, and that win over Texas tech, great crowd. Again, I, I said it at the top of the show, Bay, we're having that home court advantage. That is a fantastic, a fantastic step in the right direction. Uh, they they were they were winning a lot anyway. They were a great road team the last couple of years, and now they've got a home court advantage, which is fantastic. And the fans, specifically the student section, was really really giving it to Pop Isaacs. <clears throat> so, for those of you who don't know, and I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm not too well versed on on the story, but he has been Pop Isaacs, the tech guard, has been accused of sexual assault by a 17 year old, uh, in the Bahamas. And he's he still needs to respond to that, that lawsuit. It's all kind of up in the air. I guess tech went, went through it and, uh, decided that he could still play and be on the team. And he has gotten it from, uh, quite a lot of, uh, road crowds. Uh, TCU is a big one against him last week. And, Baylor gave it to him last night. Uh, they booed him every time he touched the ball, very loud, uh, and then got into some chants during the game, one of them being 17, 17, with it being a 17-year-old girl, and then the no means no chant. Let me just say this. The the irony is not lost on me, okay, that um, it's a Baylor crowd chanting no means no. I know why it's ironic, and I also know from a very logical standpoint why it's not ironic because, you know, it's not those kids that were doing it. And to what what struck me during the game is a lot of the students who are down there were in middle school when those chants were being thrown at Baylor. I don't want this to sound like I'm on some sort of high horse. I, that's really not what I'm going for at all. Um, and I will say this. It's fair game. As long as it's not racist or sexist, to me, it, it it's fair game. You know, I I know 
tech fans and obviously those coaches and his teammates will feel it's unfair, but because it's innocent till proven guilty. But when you have these kind of allegations against you and you're a big time college basketball player, you're a big name in college basketball, that that's what's going to happen. And I, and I don't think pop or, or Grant McCasland are like complaining about it. Um, because that it's just it's just kind of part of the deal. So I'm not saying Baylor students should not do this like that. That's fair game. However, me and I think a lot of people in the stands, uh, Baylor fans, it was just kind of an uncomfy feeling, kind of an uncomfy feeling because we remember what those chants felt like against us, 2016, 2017, around that time. Now, I'll also say this. I understand it's a very different situation. You know, it was being chanted at us in, in basketball arenas when it was actually the football team and it was, you know, talking about us as like yelling at us as if we had done those horrible things. And it, was, it wasn't it was really fair to the basketball team or, or the baseball team or whatever other teams heard those chants or even the football team, to be honest with you, but at least that made some more sense. Whereas this, it was kid a player who's being accused is right there and he's still playing and he's on the court in front of you. So I, I understand that, but I, it was just a horrible feeling to, to hear those things in 16 and 17. Um, and so that's why I was just kind of uncomfy. Um, so I didn't partake in it, but that said, you know, I, I, I get that that's part of a hostile environment and, I'm not saying Baylor students shouldn't do that. Uh, I'm glad they um, are doing their homework and are that much into the game. You know, I, I really am. I didn't think it crossed any lines, to be totally honest with you, uh, because again, I think it's once it's out there, it, it's it's out there, and it just it opens itself up to that kind of things. Crossing the line would again be making it something racist or sexist, and that that didn't come of it. And I know there will be also people who think it's um, trivializing the sexual assault a little bit. And I, I understand that argument because, um, again, I, I, I've used that argument uh, against, you know, people people chanting that against Baylor. So it all's fair in love and war, I guess. But I know for a lot of us who were around here in 2016-17 and, you know, actual Baylor fans at that time, it, it feels weird. So... I don't really endorse it, but I also am not going to say, hey, don't do that. I'm not going to try and take the the moral high ground on that one. So uh, great student atmosphere. I'll say that. Great atmosphere. And uh, once again, another great home court advantage. They're going to need all the help they can get on Saturday. Because talk about a great home court advantage. That's what Allen Fieldhouse is. Let me know what you thought about this win over Tech last night. Am I being too nice about this? That it was... You know, a good game. They added their, they, Baylor went up 10% in their field goal percentage in the second half from the first half. That's really impressive, by the way. Um, am I making too much of this? Tech was shorthanded. You're at home. Am I making too much of that? Let me know down in the comments below. Be sure to like and subscribe. Let me know what you think about this game coming up on Saturday. We're going to preview that throughout the week. We're also going to talk about the freshmen. We're going to talk a little football, I think, in this week, too. And I'm going to have to talk about Mac Rhodes a little bit because I didn't get to it today. This was all breaking down a good game. Uh, but we'll talk about backing Mac a little bit 
in tomorrow's show as well. Thank you for tuning in and making it your first listen today and every day. Can't wait to see you here tomorrow on Locked on Baylor.